Okay, let's just bow in prayer. I'll, I'm going to end up walking into things here, I think. Hang on. Just a sec. It's really hard for me to stand still when I speak, so. Okay, let's just pray. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to hear your word, and I ask that only your word will be heard and not mine. And Lord, I ask right now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that you will open up the spiritual ears of each person here and the spiritual eyes of each person that your word and your truth will resonate so deeply within that it will be life transforming. And for this we thank you in Jesus' precious name. Amen. During my treatment for leukemia a few years ago, uh, my oncologist was sharing how he and his wife were preparing to adopt a child from Asia. They had prayed about it and they really felt this was what the Lord wanted them to do. And so they started the process. The process was uh, lots of forms to fill in, lots of interviews, a lot of cost and a lot of waiting. Then finally one day they received the photo of this beautiful baby girl. They fell in love with her instantly. They Even before they'd met her. They couldn't wait to hold her in their arms, give her their name, and make her a part of their family through adoption. The official adoption was also important uh, to guarantee that this child would truly belong to them. Legally, she would become their child with all the rights of a child born to them. It's pretty much what the Father did for us through Jesus. Jesus said in John 14, 18, I will not leave you orphans, I will come to you. So Jesus comes to us as the beloved son to adopt us into a loving relationship with his father. Through him, we become sons and daughters of the living God. Before we experienced salvation, we were orphans, searching often for a sense of belonging, seeking love, often in the wrong places. But once we became born again through Jesus Christ into the family of God, we received what Henry Nouwen calls the life of the beloved. We are no longer orphans. We have been adopted into the kingdom of God. But what does that really mean for us? Firstly, it means that our identity has been changed. We are no longer who we were before we met Jesus. I don't know, I've shared with you before, I might have, but John Westerhoff shares this story. He says, in a small Mexican village, there is a procession of a priest walking with his small white coffin in his hands. Behind him is a congregation who are in deep mourning. Behind the congregation, there is a young couple carrying a child, a young child in a shroud. And they walk forward into the church and then the priest puts the coffin onto the communion table and he proceeds to fill it with water. And then the young couple come forward with this child and they gently place the child into the arms of the priest. The priest unshrouds, takes the linen cloth off the baby. The child looks at him and he holds it above the coffin and he closes its nose and says, I kill you in Jesus' name. And the child goes down into the coffin. And then he lifts it up while the child is screaming, full of life. 
And he says, and I speak into you the life of the Lord God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And from this day forward, you are no longer Christopher James. From now on, you are Christopher James Christian. You are a new creation through the grace of the Lord God and in Jesus' name. And then he is swathed again in the linen cloth and he's taken by the priest into the, the, the congregation. He says, I want you to meet your new brother. Christopher James, Christian, he is your family and you are his. Look after him. That child's identity had changed. Yes, once he's an adult, he will have to choose for himself. He wants to retain that, in, that identity. But it had changed. He was no longer dead to the world. He had been made alive in Christ. He had a new position as a son of the living God. Understanding our new position in Christ is so important. In the Roman world of the first century AD, adoption, adopting a son was a son deliberately chosen by his adoptive father to perpetuate the name and inherit his estate. Roman adoption was well understood by Christians the first century. It was rare for an infant or a young child to be adopted. Adoption was rarely about a childless couple having a child. Adoption was nearly always adoption of adults. Adoption was first of all a legal arrangement by which to provide an heir who would receive the inheritance and enter into a new household with all its privileges and responsibilities. He was not the slightest bit inferior in status to a son born to that home. In fact, Maya have enjoyed his father's affections more fully and reproduced the father's character more worthily because he lives with a heart of gratitude for what he's received. The adoptee inherited the father's name, his title, his genealogical lineage, his possessions, his affections, and all rights as a son born to him. Ephesians 1.5, it says, God decided to, in advance, to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do and it gave him great delight. The story of the Bible is a story of adoption. We are all adopted into God's spiritual family as a chosen child of God. You are no mistake. You are no accident. We need to understand not just our identity in Jesus through adoption, but we need to understand our position. When we are born again, we have died to the old paradigm of sin and death. Sin and death has been killed by Jesus. It's destroyed. It's gone. That is no longer our identity. We belong to a new paradigm and we have a new position as co-heirs with Christ, our position has changed. 
Paul taught us in Romans 8, 15 to 16, that you have not received a spirit of slavery, landing, leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons and daughters, by which we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. So if this is true, if our new position is in Christ, if we no longer belong to the old paradigm of sin and death, how is it that we still sin? It's a really important question. And it's because we have received what Paul calls the spirit of adoption or a spirit of sonship. Our spirit has been gloriously adopted into the Father's family and the Holy Spirit is continuously testifying with our newly adopted spirit that we belong to the Father and that we are now his beloved sons and daughters. It says in Galatians 4, 4 to 5, when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son that we might receive the adoption as sons and daughters. When we are first born again, we have a newly adopted spirit claimed for eternity with God. However, our souls, which is our mind, our will, our emotions, they are still being transformed as we surrender those aspects of our lives to the living God, allowing the Spirit to redeem every part of who we are in partnership with us. So yes, we still sin, but because we have the seal of the Spirit in our lives, through accepting Jesus into our lives, we are also redeemed for eternity. And you can't lose that. So how do we do that, you might ask? How do we surrender ourselves to God so that our souls, our mind, our heart, our, our emotions can be transformed? How do we position ourselves in Christ so that everything changes? You know, often we are taught, well, maybe you haven't, but I have been, that if I could just be more holy, if I could just be more pure, if I could just think on all the right things, if I could just work harder and do more and, and surrender more and, and pray more, then, then I will make myself more worthy of the living God and he will accept me more. That somehow I can make myself worthy. But that is Old Testament or Old Covenant teaching. In truth, I am really bad at improving myself. I fail all the time. Do you notice what happens when it's, I'm trying to improve myself with these self-help books and, and you know, doing things more and working harder and, and trying more to be religious and, and spiritual? Do you know where the focus is? It's on me. But our focus isn't supposed to be on us. Our focus is supposed to be on the living God. Jesus said on the cross, it is finished. What was finished? Paying for our sin. It is finished. So sin is not supposed to be our focus anymore. Our weaknesses are not supposed to be our focus anymore. Because it was finished on the cross. When Jesus rose from the dead, the power of death was destroyed. 
At his resurrection, we rose with him out of the miry clay of death and destruction. Into what? The slavery of self-improvement? The bondage of proving ourselves worthy? It says in verse 5 to 8, in Romans 8, those who think they can do it on their own end up obsessed with measuring their own moral muscle, but never get around to exercising it in real life. Those who trust God's actions in them find that God's spirit is in them, living and breathing God. Obsession with self in these matters is a dead end. Attention to God leads us out into the open, into spacious, free life. We cannot save ourselves. We can't make ourselves worthy of him. He has already done that for us. It is finished. We no longer need to worry about it. All we need to do now is live like children of God. Yet often we live as orphans. Even though we've made a commitment to the living God. Even though we are adopted. In many ways, part of the story of the prodigal son helps us understand the difference. Remember after the prodigal came home to his father and he says, look, I just want to be your servant. And his father reinstates him into his sonship. And then he throws him a big party. And then the oldest son comes home and he finds him having this party and he is angry and resentful. He says, Father, listen, how many years have I been working like a slave for you, performing every duty you've asked as a faithful son? And I've never once disobeyed you, but you've never thrown a party for me because of my faithfulness. You've never once have you even given me a goat that I could feast on and celebrate with my friends like he's doing now. But look at this son of yours. He comes back after wasting your wealth on prostitutes and reckless living. And here you are throwing a party, a great feast to celebrate him. Did you hear it? The son was not living as a son. He says it himself, he, was, he has served like a slave. A slave does not know his master's business. He does not live like a son. He does not act as though he has an inheritance. It is all about what the son has done, not what the father has given. And the father replies, my son, you are always with me by my side. Everything I have is yours to enjoy. Did you hear it? You need to hear it. He was in a position of sonship. As we are in a position of sons and daughters of the living God, everything the father had was for the son to enjoy, but he didn't understand sonship. He lived as an orphan, even though in reality he was his father's son. There is a significant danger that we do that too. That we may work hard without really fully understanding that we already have our inheritance, which is available to us to use right now. So what do we have to do to begin to live like true children of God? Set free from performance and expectations even of ourselves. 
the very first thing we need to do is accept that we are loved beyond reason. Unconditionally. Just like a new infant welcomed by a mum or dad who have longed for their child for a long time. You know, just try and imagine that on the day that you were born again, Jesus was there to receive you and he was so excited. And I can just imagine him walking around, he's pulling out your photo out of his back pocket every time he sees an angel and says, oh, have you seen, have you seen my Richard? Have you seen my Mary? Oh, have you seen my Coraline? I love them so much. I am so excited for the plans and purposes I have for them. I have so much to pour into their lives. I can't wait to see their joy. Whatever may have ever happened in your life, no matter how bad, no matter how difficult, he has never stopped loving you desperately. It says in Romans 8.1, nothing in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God. Did you hear it? Nothing. Nothing. God loves us so much that he gave his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for us. Jesus' death shows us how important we are to God. The depth of God's love reaches down to the deepest parts of our being. So what does a true child of God look like? A true child of God looks like Jesus. And some of you may be thinking, oh no. But let's look at Jesus. Did he ever appear to worry about his performance? Did he ever seem to spend a lot of time on self-improvement? What did he do? He worshipped the Father. And he did whatever ever the father told him to do that was it he would go to the father in prayer and talk with him and listen to him and then do whatever the father told him to do did he even do that in his own strength absolutely not in everything Jesus needed the spirit to lead him and equip him just as we do you've got to remember that Jesus departure point when he walked on this world on this earth was the same as ours he was emptied of his divinity he was totally dependent on the spirit of god like you and i are he couldn't tell us to do something if he didn't have to do it first himself his focus was not on his abilities or his personal goodness or worthiness his focus was on the father and on the spirit and on others in Romans 8, 4, it says, The law always ended up being used as a band-aid on sin instead of a deep healing of it. And now what the law code asked for, what we couldn't deliver, is accomplished as we, instead of redoubling our own efforts, simply embrace what the Spirit is doing in us. This is where understanding our adoption is so important. As adopted children of God through Jesus, we have become legal co-heirs with Jesus to all that the Father has given him. We don't just inherit eternal life alongside Jesus, as utterly amazing as that is. 
There is more. We also inherit legally all the richness of the kingdom of God right now. When we pray that your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, we are praying that our inheritance that is in heaven comes to earth and that we can use that for the sake of others. It is accessible to us right now, just as it was to Jesus when he was living as a human being amongst us. Jesus was so filled with the Spirit, so trusting of his rightful inheritance that he could do whatever the Father asked him. And so can we, if God is our Abba Father. As your heart is being transformed in his presence, he will place on your heart the things that are on his heart. He will give you whatever you need to do whatever he asks you to do. If you hear him say, speak healing into that person, (laughs) you can speak healing into that person with the same authority and expectation that Jesus did when he spoke healing into the woman with the issue of blood through the Spirit. If the Father is telling you, speak a word of prophecy into that person's life, you can trust he will give you the words that person needs to hear. Just as the Spirit enabled Jesus to speak into Peter's life, and prophesied that he would be the rock. If the father says, go and visit that person, then just go. He will show you why once you are there. Just as the spirit showed Jesus, led her to the woman, led him to the woman at the well. If the father says, grieve with that person, you go and as you do, the spirit will give you the heart and words or the silence, depending on what is needed. And his presence is there in you for that person, just as the Spirit was there with Jesus when Lazarus died, and he was there for Mary and Martha. If the Father says to you, give that person your apron or anything else, whether that be money or food or whatever, and you do it, you'll be blessed as you bless that person. He will give you what you need to give them. Just as the Spirit did Jesus. Remember the coin in the fish's mouth when they needed to pay their taxes? If the Father says, adopt that child or mentor that person or disciple that man or woman, he he or she needs to know my heart, then take note. You too were adopted by the Father so that you could know his heart. If the Father says, I want you to love that person even though they are not lovable or clean or desirable, he will give you all that you need through the Spirit to love that person. Remember how the Spirit enabled Jesus to touch and love Mary Magdalene in her uncleanness. You too, you and I, were once unclean and undesirable. Now you are loved beyond reason. In everything, all we need to do is press into the presence of our Abba Father. With thanksgiving and praise, talk with him as Jesus did. Listen to him as Jesus did. And then do whatever he asks you to do as Jesus did in the Spirit. I promise you, if you live your life the way Jesus lived his, you'll never need to again worry about sin. That doesn't mean you won't sin. We all sin on this side of heaven. I need to take our sin to the foot of the cross to, to repent of that and receive forgiveness. But it means that living like Jesus becomes our priority and his presence will be changing us one day at a time.
the legal requirements for our adoption were met and Jesus' blood became the red tape to satisfy all legal requirements to become his cherished children. He has poured out his spirit and sealed us with his mark of adoption for all of eternity. He has equipped us with everything we need as we need it through his spirit to be like Jesus. So the big question is, are you living as an orphan or are you living as a child of the living God? Moving and having life in his spirit, enjoying and appropriating his amazing inheritance in communion with the living God. I'd like you just to close your eyes for a minute. And I'd like you to ask him, just go straight to the Father and say, am I living as your son or daughter? Or am I an orphan? If you recognize you are living the life of an orphan, which I did for a long, long time, but you desire the life of a son or daughter, you're invited to come forward and receive an anointing of oil as a symbol of accepting being a son or daughter of the living God. There is no must in this. It's an open invitation. If you would like that anointing, please come forward. If you have a desire to have prayer later, I want to invite you to come later. Just hang around here and we can pray together. And if you'd like some anointing for any purpose at all, for anything in your life, then it's available. Now let me pray God's blessing upon you. Father, I thank you that we are adopted. I thank you that we are cherished. I thank you that we are loved. I thank you that we have been given all that you have for our lives. And I thank you that we can live and walk in that. Lord, may you indeed anoint us as true adopted children of God. And may we rejoice in that reality through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. May Almighty God bless you. May he go with you as you go forth. May he go forth in the power, in the truth, in the joy, in the immersion of the Spirit of God into every aspect of your life. In Jesus' name, amen.